Chapter 16 of Toby Tyler, or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Toby Tyler, or Ten Weeks with a Circus, by James Otis. Chapter 16. Toby's first appearance in the ring. When the circus entered the town which had been selected as the place where Toby was to make his debut as a circus rider, the boy noticed a new poster among the many glaring and gaudy bills which set forth the varied and numerous attractions that were to be found under one canvas for a trifling admission fee. And he noticed it with some degree of interest not thinking for a moment that it had any reference to him. It was printed very much as follows. Mademoiselle Jeannette and Monsieur Ajax, two of the youngest equestrians in the world, will perform their graceful, dashing, and daring act entitled The Triumph of the Innocents. This is the first appearance of these daring young riders together since their separation in Europe last season, and their performance in this town will have a new and novel interest. See Mademoiselle Jeannette and Monsieur Ajax. Look there, said Toby to Ben as he pointed out the poster, which was printed in very large letters, with gorgeous coloring and surmounted by a picture of two very small people performing all kinds of impossible feats on horseback. They've got someone else to ride with Ella today. I wonder who it can be. Ben looked at Toby for a moment as if to assure himself that the boy was in earnest in asking the question, and then he relapsed into the worst fit of silent laughing that Toby had ever seen. After he had quite recovered, he asked, Don't you know who Monsieur Ajax is? Ain't you never seen him? No, replied Toby, at a loss to understand what there was so very funny in his very natural question. I thought that I was going to ride with Ella. Why, that's you, almost screamed Ben in delight. Monsieur Ajax means you. Didn't you know it? You don't suppose they would go to put Toby Tyler on the bills, do you? How would it look? Mademoiselle Jeannette? and monsieur toby tyler ben was off in one of his laughing spells again and toby sat there stiff and straight hardly knowing whether to join in the mirth or to get angry at the sport which had been made of his name i don't care he said at length i'm sure i think toby tyler sounds just as well as monsieur ajax and i'm sure it fits me a good deal better that may be said ben soothingly but you see it wouldn't go down so well with the public they want furrin riders and they must have em even if it does spoil your name despite the fact that he did not like the new name that had been given him toby could not but feel pleased at the glowing terms in which his performance was set off but he did not at all relish the lie that was told about his having been with ella in europe and he would have been very much better pleased if that portion of it had been left off. 
During the forenoon he did not go near Mr. Lord nor his candy stand, for Mr. Castle kept him and Ella busily engaged in practicing the feat which they were to perform in the afternoon. And it was almost time for the performance to begin before they were allowed even to go to their dinner. Ella, who had performed several years, was very much more excited over the coming debut than Toby was, and the reason why he did not show more interest was, probably, because of his great desire to leave the circus as soon as possible, and during that forenoon he thought very much more of how he should get back to Guilford and Uncle Daniel than he did of how he should get along when he stood before the audience. Mr. Castle assisted his pupil to dress, and when that was done to his entire satisfaction, he said in a stern voice, Now you can do this act all right, and if you slip up on it, and don't do it as you ought to, I'll give you such a whipping when you come out of the ring that you'll think Job was only fooling with you when he tried to whip you. Toby had been feeling reasonably cheerful before this, but these words dispelled all his cheerful thoughts, and he was looking most disconsolate when old Ben came into the dressing tent. All ready, are you, my boy? said the old man in his cheeriest voice. Well, that's good, and you look as nice as possible. Now remember what I told you last night, Toby, and go in there to do your level best and make a name for yourself. Come out here with me and wait for the young lady. These cheering words of Ben's did Toby as much good as Mr. Castle's had the reverse, and as he stepped out of the dressing room to the place where the horses were being saddled, Toby resolved that he would do his very best that afternoon, if for no other reason than to please his old friend. Toby was not naturally what might be called a pretty boy, for his short red hair and his freckled face prevented any great display of beauty, but he was a good, honest-looking boy, and in his tasteful costume looked very nice indeed, so nice that could Mrs. Treat have seen him just then, she would have been very proud of her handiwork and hugged him harder than ever. He had been waiting but a few moments when Ella came from her dressing-room, and Toby was very much pleased when he saw by the expression on her face that she was perfectly satisfied with his appearance. "'We'll both do just as well as we can,' she whispered to him, "'and I know the people will like us and make us come back after we get through, "'and if they do, Mamma says she'll give each one of us a gold dollar.' She had taken hold of Toby's hand as she spoke, and her manner was so earnest and anxious that Toby was more excited than he ever had been about his debut, and, had he gone into the ring just at that moment, the chances are that he would have surprised even his teacher by his riding. "'I'll do just as well as I can,' said Toby, in reply to his little companion, "'and if we earn the dollars, I'll have a hole board in mine, and you shall wear it around your neck to remember me by.' I'll remember you without that, she whispered, and I'll give you mine, so that you shall have so much the more when you go to your home. There was no time for further conversation, for Mr. Castle entered just then to tell them that they must go in in another moment. The horses were all ready, 
a black one for Toby and a white one for Ella, and they stood champing their bits and pawing the earth in their impatience until the silver bells with which they were decorated rung out quick nervous little chimes that accorded very well with Toby's feelings. Ella squeezed Toby's hand as they stood waiting for the curtain to be raised that they might enter, and he had just time to return it when the signal was given, and almost before he was aware of it they were standing in the ring, kissing their hands to the crowds that packed the enormous tent to its utmost capacity. Thanks to the false announcement about the separation of the children in Europe and their reunion in this particular town, the applause was long and loud, and before it had died away, Toby had time to recover a little from the queer feeling which this sea of heads gave him. He had never seen such a crowd before, except as he had seen them as he walked around at the foot of the seats, and then they had simply looked like so many human beings. But as he saw them now from the ring, they appeared like strange rows of heads without bodies, and he had hard work to keep from running back behind the curtain from whence he had come. Mr. Castle acted as the ringmaster this time, and after he had introduced them, very much after the fashion of the posters, and the clown had repeated some funny joke, the horses were led in, and they were assisted to mount. Don't mind the people at all, said Mr. Castle in a low voice, but ride just as if you were alone here with me. The music struck up, the horses cantered around the ring, and Toby had really started as a circus rider. Remember, said Ella to him in a low tone, just as the horses started, you told me that you would ride just as well as you could, and we must earn the dollars Mamma promised. It seemed to Toby at first as if he could not stand up, but by the time they had ridden around the ring once, and Ella had again cautioned him against making any mistake for the sake of the money which they were going to earn, he was calm and collected enough to carry out his part of the act as well as if he had been simply taking a lesson. The act consisted in their riding side by side, jumping over banners and through hoops covered with paper, and then the most difficult portion began. The saddles were taken off the horses, and they were to ride first on one horse and then on the other, until they concluded their performance by riding twice around the ring side by side, standing on their horses, each one with a hand on the other's shoulder. All this was successfully accomplished without a single error, and when they rode out of the ring the applause was so great as to leave no doubt but that they would be recalled and thus earn the promised money. In fact, they had hardly got inside the curtain when one of the attendants called to them, and before they had time even to speak to each other, they were in the ring again, repeating the last portion of their act. When they came out of the ring for the second time, they found old Ben, the skeleton, the fat lady, and Mr. Jacob Lord waiting to welcome them. But before anyone could say a word, Ella had stood on tiptoe again and given Toby just such another kiss as she did when he told her that he would surely stay long enough to appear in the ring with her once. That's because you rode so well and helped me so much, she said, 
as she saw Toby's cheeks growing a fiery red, and then she turned to those who were waiting to greet her. Mrs. Treat took her in her enormous arms, and having kissed her, put her down quickly, and clasped Toby as if he had been a very small walnut, and her arms a very large pair of nutcrackers. Bless the boy, she exclaimed as she kissed him again and again with an energy and force that made her kisses sound like the crack of the whip and caused the horses to stamp in a fright. I knew he'd amount to something one of these days, and Samuel and I had to come out when business was dull just to see how he got along. It was some time before she would unloose him from her motherly embrace, and when she did the skeleton grasped him by the hand and said in the most pompous and affected manner, Mr. Tyler, we're proud of you, and when we saw that costume of yours that my lily embroidered with her own hands, we was both proud of it and what it contained. You're a great rider, my boy, a great rider, and you'll stand at the head of the profession some day if you only stick to it. Thank you, sir, was all Toby had time to say before old Ben had him by the hand and the skeleton was pouring out his congratulations in little Miss Ella's ear. Toby, my boy, you did well, and now you'll amount to something if you only remember what I told you last night, said Ben, as he looked upon the boy whom he had come to think of as his protege with pride. I never seen anybody of your age do any better, and now, instead of being only a candy peddler, you're one of the stars of the show. Thank you, Ben, was all that Toby could say, for he knew that his old friend meant every word that he said, and it pleased him so much that he could say no more than thank you in reply. I feel as if your triumph was mine, said Mr. Lord, looking benignly at Toby from out his crooked eye, and assuming the most fatherly tone at his command. I have learned to look upon you almost as my own son, and your success is very gratifying to me. Toby was not at all flattered by this last praise. If he had never seen Mr. Lord before, he might, and probably would, have been deceived by his words. But he had seen him too often, and under too many painful circumstances, to be at all swindled by his words. Toby was very much pleased with his success and by the praise he received from all, and when the proprietor of the circus came along, patted him on the head and told him that he rode very nicely, he was quite happy until he chanced to see the greedy twinkle in Mr. Lord's eye, and then he knew that all this success and all this praise were only binding him faster to the show which he was so anxious to escape from. His pleasure vanished very quickly, and in its stead came a bitter, homesick feeling which no amount of praise could banish. It was old Ben who helped him to undress after the skeleton and the fat lady had gone back to their tent, and Ella had gone to dress for her appearance with her mother. But now she was obliged to ride twice at each performance. When Toby was in his ordinary clothes again, Ben said, now that you're one of the performers, Toby, you won't have to sell candy any more, and you'll have the most of your time to yourself. So let you and I go out and see the town. 
Don't you suppose Mr. Lord expects me to go to work for him again today? And supposing he does, said Ben with a chuckle, you don't suppose the boss would let anyone that rides in the ring stand behind job load's counter, do you? You can do just as you have a mind to, my boy, and I say to you, let's go out and see the town. What do you say to it? I'd like to go first rate if I dared to, replied Toby, thinking of the many whippings he had received for far less than that which Ben now proposed he should do. Oh, I'll take care that Job don't bother you, so come along. And Ben started out of the tent, and Toby followed, feeling considerably frightened at this first act of disobedience against his old master. End of chapter 16 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts September 2010